On today's show, Houston Rockets versus Sacramento Kings game preview as Alperin Shingun is set to go head-to-head with DeMontis Sabonis. Key matchups, important storylines, what to watch for, and so much more. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no-look. Jabari for three on the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. No! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everydayer. Thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. We've got a very special crossover Locked On episode today as we are here to preview the upcoming doubleheader between the Houston Rockets and Sacramento Kings. We've got Matt George from Locked On Kings. You can follow on Twitter at MattGeorgeSAC. And I am the host of Locked On Rockets, Jackson Gatlin. You can track down on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And Matt, we are headed for what is going to be, I think, a really fun doubleheader between these two basketball teams, especially when you consider that the engines for these two teams, right? The, the straw that stirs the drink, if you will, for both these ball clubs, the two big men in the middle, Alperin Shingun, DeMontis Sabonis, watching these two guys go head to head, some very similar skill sets across the board for these guys. That matchup is going to be a ton of fun to kind of witness, even though there's some injuries on both sides with, with certain key players going to be missing one, if not both of these games, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's why the hyper focus might be on that matchup between those two bigs, because I mean, at least from the Sacramento Kings side of things, De'Aaron Fox is is questionable to play in in either of these games. It's unfortunate because Houston is Fox's hometown. Uh, So so Fox always likes to play a little bit more against the Rockets, regardless of of the circumstance of where their team is at or where the Kings are at or whatever. Uh, But De'Aaron also has a tendency to return early from injuries like he had a grade three ankle sprain. Uh, which is the worst grade three or uh, worst ankle sprain like you could possibly have before it becomes like beyond a sprain. Uh, and he had that a handful of years ago and then came back from that weeks early. Now he has this ankle sprain that he suffered uh, against the, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. And there's already talks like maybe he could go for the Kings tomorrow against the Houston Rockets. So my hope I would love to see De'Aaron Fox play, of course, and De'Aaron Fox playing immediately raises the Sacramento Kings expectations to, yeah, they should probably beat the Rockets too. Absolutely, they should beat the Rockets if Fox is playing. But you also want to take care of your star, right? And recognize that, that the regular season, the beginning of the regular season isn't as important to the Sacramento Kings as maybe it was two or three seasons ago, right? Like the Kings are thinking long-term, the Kings are thinking playoffs, and they don't want to uh, bang up their star too early and, and have him re-aggravate or make the injury any worse. So. It's up in the air whether or not De'Aaron Fox plays uh, tomorrow or even on Monday night's game. Uh, Either way, 
the Sacramento Kings still feel pretty confident in their ability to to win without him. They took the Golden State Warriors to the very edge, lost by one point on a Clay Thompson buzzer beater uh, on on or the other night here. So it's the expectations are still high for Sacramento, and a lot of it does have to do, of course, with the presence of Demonte Savonis. For sure. And and on the Rockets side, I mean, you know, missing out on still Notari Eason, who may make it back for the second matchup between these two teams. Uh, but that's still kind of questionable at this point. He did say in a recent uh, practice scrum that he is very soon, you know, coming back very, very soon. And Rockets fans are incredibly excited to see him back on the court. Hasn't played yet in the regular season. Then, unfortunately, Amin Thompson and the Rockets uh, win against the Charlotte Hornets with that grade two ankle sprain in the uh, late in the third quarter. So really unfortunate injury for him. He's going to be out for a long time so some key contributors for the Rockets missing in this game but Matt when we look at this kind of matchup you know I, I think of the Kings with no deer and Fox he's the it's, Sabonis might be the guy that everything's runs runs through all the actions all the front court touches everything all the DHO sets everything that Sacramento does that makes them so unique and such a, a, a potent offensive team but De'Aaron's their closer he's their go-to guy he's the tip of the spear you know Mr. Cl- you know crunch time in the fourth quarter all that how have they looked you know, or, or how does this team change, I guess, without De'Aaron in the lineup? Who do they go to in those moments? Do they rely more on on Domas? Do they go to Malik Monk? What happens? How does this team change without De'Aaron in the lineup? Well, we've had essentially a game and an overtime period of a sample size, at least this season with De'Aaron Fox out of, of the lineup. In the win, overtime win over the Los Angeles Lakers, Malik Monk really stepped up and I believe scored either, either it was either 11 or 13 points. I can't remember uh, in, in, in overtime to help the Sacramento Kings defeat the Los Angeles Lakers. So Malik definitely has, if there's a player on Sacramento's roster whose game is closest to De'Aaron's, it's Malik Monk. That being said, nobody can play De'Aaron's game better than De'Aaron. So it's not like, hey, there's a one-on-one replacement there. Uh, Malik played fine. He didn't play great against the Golden State Warriors, but offensively, nobody played great against the Golden State Warriors in a game where Sacramento only scored 101 points when last season they averaged 120. So the the scoring, there's still a big question mark there. Now, DeMontis Sabonis led the Kings in scoring. I think he had 23 points. He hit a bank shot that put the Kings up by one. I don't know if he called glass or not, but it doesn't matter. It still counts as two. He hit a straightaway bank shot to put the Kings up by one that could have been the game winner had Clay Thompson not decided to rip the hearts out of the Sacramento Kings fan base again. So uh, like ultimately, that question is still up in the air. Now to me, Jackson, one of the things that the Golden State Warriors did really, really well and recognized, and I think Houston probably will recognize this too, that if if there is a star player or a, a next man up guy to take a brunt of the scoring role with De'Aaron Fox being out, it's not DeMontis Sabonis. It's Keegan Murray. And the Warriors did a really good job making Keegan as uncomfortable as possible. He went 0 of 7 from three-point range, ultimately just scored 10 points. The fact that the Kings still had a chance to win is pretty incredible. I'll, I'll give that credit to their defense in that sense. But... Keegan Murray is going to be that guy that I think most people look at to. Maybe Sabonis leads the Kings in scoring again, but if there's going to be big shots or a big stretch or someone to catch fire, Keegan's probably towards the top of that list. I'm so curious because you bring up Keegan and, and you know, we're, we're going into year two for him, you know, same draft class coming out, you know, with, with Jabari Smith Jr. So there's always a little bit of a chip on their shoulder playing against, you know, guys playing against each other like that. What are the expectations for him? 
you know, this season, because he was kind of one of those guys that come in, it came in as, hey, he's plug and play. He's NBA ready right now. He's going to be able to hit shots, defend, you know, some of the basic things you want him to be able to do. Is there an expectation for Keegan to take kind of like a a massive leap forward or how has his role kind of changed or the expectations changed for him coming into this year? There absolutely is the expectation of a leap. The expectation is that Keegan Murray right away is, is uh, the third scorer go-to option on this Kings team and at times can step up in that second spot if needed in a case like De'Aaron Fox being injured, DeMondis Sabonis being injured, or even Fox is playing and, and having a really good game and Sabonis is focusing kind of on distributing and, and running the offense in the way that he does. So, hey, Keegan, this is for you to step up and be that other 20-point scorer to help the Sacramento Kings win. Like, that's that's what the Kings are looking for. They're looking for leaps from guys across the board, especially defensively. But Keegan's like, this is a big three league, right? Like a lot of teams, you have to have like an established core three plus a great supporting cast, but an established core three to really kind of get you to that championship conversation. Keegan is the third piece of that. And they believe as early as this season, his sophomore season in the NBA, if you will, that he is capable of stepping up and doing that as not just a three-point shooter, which he established himself as last year, but a three-level scorer. And he's shown an ability to do that. The, The Warriors game, was the first game so far that he hasn't looked good offensively. And that's because the Warriors treated him like the number one offensive option and guarded him as such, which is something that I think he needed to face. So expectations are high on the shoulders of Keegan Murray. He is expected to be an offensive leader of this Kings team. And especially with De'Aaron Fox out, Sacramento is going to be looking to him for big shots. I know it's so early, Matt. So it's like, you know, whenever you talk about like the sample sizes from like three games, five sure. games, you're like, take it with a massive grain of salt. But, you know, Kings are clocking in at eighth best offense in the NBA right now, eighth in offensive rating. They were number one, you know, in the NBA by by what you would consider a pretty steady, pretty wide margin, I guess. Is that is there some offensive drop off this season or is it just too early to tell where they're going to be at offensively? I think it's too early to tell from the standpoint of two of the four games that the Kings have played have been against the Golden State Warriors. And if you look back to the Kings and Warriors playoff series, Kings were number one offense, Warriors were number two offense, and neither looked like it at any point over the course of that series. Like both, that is such a weird matchup for each other. Like I'm sick and tired of seeing it, truth be told, because one, <laughs> we've seen it a million hey times. Hey man, if anybody understands being sick and tired of the Warriors, I'm your guy, okay? Right, for sure, for sure. But like we've seen it so many times, and both those teams for having such high offensive strengths they do such a good job negating each other's strength so i think those numbers are kind of marred a little bit by the fact that the kings and the warriors have played literally half of the games that they've played so far and that's just a little obscure because they played the utah jazz to open up the season they score 130 points they look completely like themselves they play the los angeles lakers even with demata sabonis fouling out and De'Aaron fox barely playing in overtime they managed to defeat lebron james anthony davis and the los angeles lakers and score i think 115 i'm sorry well 132 points in that game if you count the overtime period so like it's outside of the warriors i think the kings are their normal really, really dynamic, good offensive selves. And I think that's the expectation for these two games against the Rockets is, okay, Kings are going to get back to their scoring ways a little bit. But against the Warriors and maybe some of the top, we have to see against like teams like Denver, maybe if you go to the East against a Boston or Milwaukee, I, I have no idea. But like two of the four games being against Golden State has certainly had an effect on those offensive and defensive numbers, to be honest with you, Jackson, because the Kings played good defense against the Warriors in the playoffs and as of right now i think they're 17th in defensive rating which is a big upgrade from the 24 25 26 that they were at last season so those numbers are definitely early season numbers let's put it that way
Yeah, and I think it's going to be one of the reasons I think this matchup is going to be so interesting is the Rockets have completely changed like style is. Well, first off, they're not a dumpster fire. So there's that. Um, <laughs> but like they, they've actually they've adopted, right, the Ime Odoka, you know, defense first mentality and, and guys are buying into it, right? The young guys have bought into it. They brought in the veterans and Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, who are really trying to hammer home the lessons that he's teaching. And first off, again, early sample size, but. Rockets are a top five defense when it comes to fast break transition points, right? And that's that's an area where they were dead last in the NBA last season. They've shown pretty much what I want to call monumental improvement game to game. They come out in the season opener. They got slapped by the Orlando Magic. They got punched in the jaw. They really just weren't ready in that game. You come back, you have a much better response against the San Antonio Spurs. And you maybe even think, oh, well, the, the Rockets should have won that game. The Spurs are you know, going to be another lottery team this year. I don't know about it based on how good Wimby has looked and the fact that the Rockets lost to the Spurs and now the Spurs have beaten the Suns twice. I feel a little bit better about that loss, seeing what Wimby is doing, terrorizing other NBA teams as well. And then they go toe to toe with the Warriors and they were right there with the Warriors up until about four or five minutes left in the game until, as you know, all too well, Steph Curry just did Steph Curry things. You know, when he decided he wanted to take over, he hit the first three and then the avalanche just came right afterwards. But this team has improved so drastically in what feels like the span of like a very very short amount of time defensively to where they have this new defensive identity and it's going to be really interesting watching them go up against this high octane kings offense yeah i'm very intrigued by this rockets team and and i definitely have some questions about them especially with the starting lineup because this is this is the one thing that like it's it's, it's separating expectations from cockiness Right. And and we'll get into this probably a little bit in the next segment, Jackson, but it's it's the expectation for Sacramento is at the at bare minimum. They split these two games on the road, bare minimum. But I think most people, including everybody in Sacramento in the Sacramento Kings locker room, their coaching staff, without taking the, the, the Rockets lightly, the expectation is that the Kings will win both of these games just based off of where these teams are at. But you can't take a, lo- a roster that the, the the Rockets have put together lightly. So I'm excited to kind of dive into that a little bit more. Coming up, we flip the script and get some of the Rockets' expectations, their side of things going into this uh, doubleheader against the Sacramento Kings. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you versus the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six players and their stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in prize picks is so simple to play. You can make your selections in less than 60 seconds. They've got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types, which is what makes prize picks the number one DFS app on the market. And also with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can do LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made plus receptions if you've been debating getting into dfs this is the way to do it you've got to check out prize picks go visit prizepicks.com slash locked on nba and use code locked on nba all lowercase for a first deposit match up to 100 again that's prizepicks.com slash locked on nba with all lowercase locked on nba promo code for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy and continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets of basketball. Let's go ahead and dive back into our crossover conversation with Locked on Kings host Matt George. 
One of the things I'm curious about, Jackson, is this is the second year in a row that the Kings and, and Rockets have played back-to-back games against each other. Last year, it was in Sacramento. And if I remember correctly, things got a little chippy in that second game. So it's like a it's like a small simulated uh, playoff series, I guess. But what is your opinion of these two games against the same team? Because until the playoffs, I didn't really like it. Now with the playoffs, I kind of understand it a little bit more. I know teams love it. Broadcasters love it because they can just stay in one place for a, a given period of time. So the, the Kings are certainly happy about not having to jump right back on a plane after the first game tomorrow. But how do you feel about these two games against the same team? I mean, having having spoken to, you know, a number of coaches and players about these little like mini series, if you will, within the regular season, I think it's a great learning tool. And it's a, it's, it's a great learning tool for both veteran teams and for younger teams, right? You kind of have this barometer for, you know, the adjustments on a game to game basis where you play the exact same opponent. Now, there might be some variables here. Obviously, maybe De'Aaron makes it back for the second game or maybe Tari Eason's there for the second game. So it's not quite the exact same one for one matchup, but it's a nice I think little test for the coaches to see how do you adjust game to game? Do you get blown out in the first game and then you come back and you make those adjustments and you take a win the second game, vice versa. Are you just dominant in both of these games? I love them as just a kind of a test to gauge where your team is at in, in relation to another team. And especially with a matchup like this one between the Rockets and Kings, where again, Kings have this incredibly high octane offense rockets have, kind of tried to adopt this defense first identity. And this is going to be a really big test for them to say, Hey, can we actually stay true to some of these defensive fundamentals and principles that Ime is trying to establish with these guys? We're still seeing, you know, at times these mental lapses from guys like Jalen and Jabari, you know, where they're just not locked in things like missing, you know, an assignment on like a free throw line box out, you know, very simple things that cannot, that you absolutely cannot do if you want to be a good team in the NBA or failing last game to pick up LaMelo ball after a made bucket. He just walked into a wide open three pointer because of some miscommunication between Jalen green and Jabari Smith jr. And you've got now guys, like Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, who are bringing the accountability to the table. Dylan Brooks called them out post game when I asked him what happened on that play. He goes, well, I kind of feel like it's the same guys that keep making those mistakes. And sooner or later, they'll learn that you can't make those mistakes against good teams because they will make you pay for it. And that's a really key point right there. And that's where I think the focus of the Sacramento Kings and their approach to this game has changed from years past. Because normally, the Kings are in the position of what you just said, right? They're the ones making the mistakes that good teams are coming in and and exploiting. Now the Kings have to be the team to exploit those Rockets mistakes a little bit, those Rockets miscues. And it's only natural for them to happen. And look, the Kings are going to have miscues too, especially if De'Aaron Fox isn't playing. So I'm not saying Sacramento's perfect and the Rockets are not. Um, but like, tell me if this is a fair or unfair approach, Jackson, from, from your Rockets perspective on, on how the Sacramento Kings are approaching this game. I said in the last segment, like the belief is the Kings should come out of this, this two game mini series, two and oh, like that, that that's their expectation. One and one is a bare minimum, but Sacramento, I believe is approaching this game. Like the Rockets, they have a good roster. They have talent. So we can't just walk in here and just expect to win and take them lightly or we could get punched in the mouth, regardless of if De'Aaron Fox is playing or not. But this team is not on our level. We're an established playoff team, or at least we believe we are what we were last season, which is a top three seed in the in the, uh, in the Western Conference. Sure, the Rockets might be better as the entire Western Conference seems to be better, but this this should be our weekend. 
Like, it, it, fair or unfair approach for Sacramento to have? I think that's exactly the approach Sacramento should have going into these two games, right? And then I think when you when you kind of take the counter approach, you know, you, you have to look at this from, from Sacramento's viewpoint, right? The Rockets are a better team, and they're not, they're not the walk in the park that they were last season, right? You look at the additions of the veterans, and you also look at the numbers that support it. Their starting lineup, Matt, has actually been phenomenal. I mean, it's it's on par with some of the best starting lineups in the NBA. I believe they're, last I checked, they were a, the eighth best starting lineup as far as net rating goes amongst NBA starters. The issue is their bench has just been so catastrophic. So in 72 minutes of runtime, the Rocket starters have a 12.4 net rating. That's absurd. And you've seen Ime make these adjustments where he has to lean very heavily on his starters because the bench has just been so abysmal. And now you take another shot to the bench. So no Tari Eason, at least for this first game. Maybe he's back for the second one. Now there's no Amin Thompson. Uh, coming into the season, they had Kevin Porter Jr. in their plans. Then you had the allegations come up, that whole messy situation that we're not going to unpack here on this show. But right. he was in their plans because he was going to be kind of that dynamic scoring punch off the bench. So you're missing essentially what were supposed to be three key contributors to your bench unit uh, in the early going of this season. So bitten by the injury bug very early on, how do they overcome that? And Ime's been trying to kind of stagger lineups and get really creative with how he approaches these things. But I think from the Rockets perspective, they're coming into this with the utmost belief that they, they can win both of these games as well. And I don't think that the belief is even displaced. You know, they, they, they were sloppy game one against the magic, but they've gotten so much better each game that, I actually feel like they're going to take that win against the Hornets and kind of snowball it into potentially a pair of wins here against the Kings, especially if De'Aaron Fox isn't playing. Now, if, if Fox comes back for one of these games, then I think we're going to have a different story here because he just elevates the Kings to another level. He elevates them to that top three seed in the West level that they were at last year. But without, without De'Aaron and with this Rockets team and the way that their starters are playing, at least, I think, you know, Either team here could walk away with two wins if you if you know a couple 50-50 balls break the right way, that kind of thing. I don't think it's an easy two and zero for the Kings, and I also don't think it's just a guaranteed one and one. I will say this: if if the Sacramento Kings walk out of Houston without a win in these two games, there are going to be some concerning alarms going off in Sacramento. I'll say that. Not that it's not possible, but but especially with uh, after the Warriors game and how that went, the, the Kings are looking to bounce back here. Uh, but, you know, I put myself in the mindset of if I were to ask myself that the same question I just asked you two or three years ago, I would kind of answer it the same way. Like, yeah, that's a fair expectation, but here's my ace up my sleeve, right? But De'Aaron Fox isn't going to allow that or, but Hey, this is different this year. What is the, but there you said the, you, there's a, a realistic scenario where the Rockets could go 2-0. and I don't necessarily see it, but you know the Rockets certainly better than I do. What is that ace up the sleeve of? You mentioned the starting lineup, so maybe that's it. But okay, if the Kings think they're just going to come in here and win both of these games, here's my counter to that that Sacramento might not be prepared for. I think it's le less so about maybe what the, the Kings are not going to be prepared for and more that the Rockets are starting to are, are leaning into an identifying what they're really good at. And post game after the Hornets game, Fred Van Vliet identified that Alperin Shingoon is their go-to bucket. He specifically called him that. He said that both he, Fred, and Ime have identified that that is the guy that they can go to down the stretch of a game when they need a bucket, when the going gets tough. And the Rockets really haven't had a de facto go-to guy in a long time. A lot of people kind of think, oh, well, maybe it's just Jalen Green because he's, you know, the dynamic two guard. And But, but Alp is their best 
shot at getting a bucket when it's crunch time, when you need something late. He's the one guy on the team that commands a double team routinely. If you don't send a double, he's either going to draw a foul or he's going to work somebody down low and get get a high quality shot in and around the rim. And so I think that the Rockets have been able to take strides enough defensively that they're going to be able to mitigate some of what Sacramento wants to do, at least in the transition for sure. They're gonna, they're a much better transition defense team, so they're not going to give up the easy points there. They'll still make their mistakes there. They've had turned the ball over a little bit too much. They've also struggled closing out good defensive possessions. Uh, so, you know, Sabonis might have a field day on the offensive glass potentially in this in these couple games. But if the Rockets can keep this thing close, and at least be, you know, kind of hang around as they get to crunch time. I like their chances because they're identifying, hey, we're going to run through LP down low and we're going to get high quality looks. Now, unfortunately, this this team's Achilles heel is the fact that they cannot shoot worth a lick. They are a terrible shooting team. So that's kind of the inverse here where the, the, the Kings have this incredibly high octane offense with all this shooting surrounding De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis and the Rockets have a similar player in Alper and Shingun who can do some of the things that Sabonis can do and they run a lot of dribble handoff sets and he gets a lot of front court touches but they have like zero shooting around him so he creates these phenomenal looks for his teammates and then it's just wide open three clank wide open three clank so if there's an Achilles heel for the Rockets in either of these two games, it's going to be if their shooting doesn't show up. It showed up in a really big way against the Hornets. Maybe that's a sign of things to come. Maybe the shot starts to settle in for Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. Dylan Brooks has been shooting the lights out of the ball. J- uh, Fred Van Vliet has been fantastic so far, but it's been really up and down outside of Fred and Dylan, unfortunately, as far as the outside shooting for Houston. Coming up, final thoughts and things to watch out for as we head into this double header between the Houston Rockets and Sacramento Kings. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150, and all your team has to do is win. It's so simple. It's just a $5 wager. You've got to take advantage of this amazing offer. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. Right now, you can even take a look at the outright betting favorites for Super Bowl 58. you got the Eagles and Chiefs both at plus 500. The 49ers right behind them at plus 600. A little ways off, you got the Dolphins at plus 950. Cowboys at plus 1,000. And the Baltimore Ravens bringing up the rear at plus 1,200. They've got those odds. They've got spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more to choose from. The app is so easy to use. They've got that wide range of betting options. Got to go give them a chance. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Final leg of our conversation with Locked on Kings host, Matt George. Honestly, you know, Matt, first off, I do want to say here for for all the, for any for all the Kings fans listening to this, the Kings were such a fun team to watch last year. They're such a fun team to watch in general. I just love all the little like the pistol action that they run through Sabonis, all the little movements and everything. I was talking with some of the Rockets media members at practice uh, as we're recording this today on Friday. Uh, just, you know, they're such a hard team to defend. Mm-hmm. And I do think this is going to be a great kind of little you know, barometer for where the Rockets are at, trying to figure out, okay, are we actually a good defensive team, right? Can we can we actually negate some of what the Kings want to do? Um, it's one thing to just, you know, not attack the offensive glass, draw everybody back and just say, hey, we're not giving up any transition points. We're going to be a very conservative team in that regard. It's another thing to actually find ways to shut down a team like the Kings in the half court. So 
I think this is a big this is a big moment for this Rockets team to kind of figure out, okay, are we actually serious this year? And uh, you know, I think the best I don't want to say best case outcome is going two and zero if you're if you're the Houston Rockets, and that's a horrendous outcome if you're the Kings. Huh. But I think for but I think for them they would at least want to split this series, right? I think for the Rockets if they split the series, I think it validates some of what they're doing, and it could be either way, right? They take the first game, then it's all right, cool, and then maybe Kings come back, take the second one, it's like all right, Kings got the better of us, maybe we got the upper hand on them in the first game. They they weren't as you know prepared or didn't take them as seriously in the first game, or the vice versa where maybe the Kings take the first game and you come back, Ime makes adjustments and they say, hey, okay, we lost the first one but we figured out exactly what went wrong we went into the second game and we cleaned up those mistakes and we took a win and i think there's there's positives from either dynamic there as far as a one and one split is concerned i do think sacramento is looking to reestablish kind of their offense and one thing that the kings have done really really well so far this season and the one game that they had it and all last season is they do a really good job following up tough losses with good performances. They have made an, kind of an identity of that out of this new group and and like the Mike Brown era here in Sacramento. They avoided long losing streaks, uh, the tough loss at the hands of Clay Thompson and the Golden State Warriors. So I, I fully expect Sacramento to bounce back in that sense. Now, granted, how much can your offense bounce back when you're missing a 31 point per game score? So again, the, with the question mark of De'Aaron Fox up there, like this is a team that, that depth-wise you can never replace someone like De'Aaron Foley, but depth-wise, you should be able to maintain. And maintaining, in this sense, is winning minimum one, but potentially both of these games against the Houston Rockets. Like These are games that, theoretically, your roster is deep enough that you can manage without Fox in definitely at least one of these games, but maybe both, depending upon how cautious Sacramento wants to be with Fox. And I mean, you mentioned earlier, like the the concern with the the, the bench of the Rockets. That's where I think maybe Sacramento is really going to try to exploit things because Mike always staggers his lineups. So there's typically one to two starters on the floor at all times. And, and Mike always likes to have one of Fox or Sabonis on the floor at all times. Of course, with Fox out, those minutes where neither are on the floor, maybe are where Houston's going to look to to make their push. But the depth that the Sacramento Kings have added, Malik Monk can kill you at any given time. Davion Mitchell is stepping into the starter role with Fox Hurt, um, but kind of still staggered as that that bench defender who can also do a little bit better job than in the past facing the floor. Sasha Vizenkov has come in as a, a light-up three-point shooter, plus other pieces, Chris Duarte if you want. Uh, Trey Lyles is still coming back from injury. That's a big deal. JaVale McGee has established a really good pick-and-roll game with Malik. Uh, so there, there are pieces on this Sacramento roster that that – make Fox's absence a little more bearable, especially against a team like the Rockets, who not disrespecting them as the laughing stock that they were last year, but still expecting them to not be on the level that Sacramento expects to get to. And we're all talking expectations here. Reality might be different than expectations. Reality might be that the Kings aren't as as above Houston as they think they are, or the standings last season suggested they are, but they're operating as if that is the case. So until they show us otherwise, that's kind of the expectation that we have here for them in Sacramento. One of the other key matchups I'm so excited to see in this game, Matt, is is Davion Mitchell against Jalen Green because Jalen is now, I mean, and and kind of he he took on this mantle last year, kind of already, but even more so this year, where you know every night he gets you know the the opposing team's defensive ace. Um, and it, it's really he he's had he's been he, he he struggled he flat out struggled awful game against the Orlando Magic and then 
you know, he picked it up a little bit against the Spurs. Uh, you know, Warriors was kind of a quieter game because Shingoon and, and Fred Van Vliet were having such strong nights. He kind of, I don't want to say he faded, but he just kind of let the team go with what was working. And then against the Charlotte Hornets, he was incredibly hot in the first quarter, just disappeared in the middle part of the game, and then showed up at the end of the game when it mattered most, dropped in nine points in a very short span into the fourth quarter, including uh, an impressive assist to Alper and Shingoon for a monster, thunderous slam, kind of the exclamation point on that win for the Rockets. And Jalen's whole issue is he's just so inconsistent. He'll have quarters where he looks like he's unguardable, and then I'll have quarters where you forget that he's even on the basketball floor. And going up against an elite defender like Davion Mitchell, I'm worried that this game might be one of those games where like he he sometimes shies away the moment like the going gets tough a little bit where and we saw this a lot happen last season where he'll start he'll try to you know dice up a defender you know get to his you know inside out dribble boom boom make start making a move and then if he gets shut down then he's just like all right I'm going to pitch it back to whoever and let somebody else try um I need to see an aggressive version of Jalen where even when the shot's not falling, when he like basically right superstars, the players that become superstars learn how to manufacture offense, right? They find ways to get themselves going, whether it's just putting their head down and getting to the free throw line, drawing fouls, collapsing the defense and creating for others. I need to see that step from Jalen Green and having to deal with Davion Mitchell in back to back games is going to be a pretty big test for him to say hey how do you respond to being checked by an elite perimeter defender and can you at times put this Rockets team on your shoulders and carry them offensively because right now Ime has been leaning on Jalen as kind of that uh, that second unit, like, or the guy to buoy the second unit, essentially. He comes out of the game early, um, and then he subs back in late in the first quarter, and he's kind of the scoring punch for that second unit that really doesn't have a scoring punch. Now, that might change as far as the rotation patterns now that Amin Thompson is out. I don't think it necessarily will. Aaron Holiday is probably going to be the guy that absorbs most, if not all, of those Amin Thompson minutes, and Ime has said that he's not afraid of playing the two six-foot guards together in Fred Van Vliet and Aaron Holiday because, much like his brother Drew Holiday, Aaron plays a lot bigger than he actually is. Um, so I, that's that's one of the key matchups here that I'm really looking forward to seeing how Jalen responds to, to Davion Mitchell across these two games. And Jalen's play might feed into this, this final question that I wanted to ask you, Jackson, which is how well in a four-game sample size, how well the Rockets have handled and do handle adversity. Because what the Kings have been consistent with over these four games is in all four games – they have built double-digit leads. Unfortunately, in three out of the four games, those double-digit leads have been erased to zero or even in the negative, right? The, the two games against the Warriors, Kings had a double-digit lead. They lost both those games. Game against the Lakers, they built, I think, a 15-point lead at one point. That game ended up going to overtime, and the Kings nearly lost it in regulation. So a concern of Sacramento's, or at least a concern of mine so far, and, and an area that this Kings team still needs to grow, is when you have control of a game, keeping your foot on the gas pedal and not allowing teams back in. Basketball is a game of runs, so it's more common now than it has been in the past to erase a 15-point lead, but it shouldn't happen every single time you have one. So expecting the trend to continue, the Kings build a double-digit lead in the second or third quarter against the Houston Rockets. How well do you expect them to respond to that? Because there's a very good chance that that might happen. I think they've actually been pretty resilient, honestly. They, you know, the, the Orlando Magic built up a massive lead against the Rockets and they responded really well. They made some halftime adjustments defensively, um, came out with the right energy and they looked actually really good. They got back into the game in Orlando after trailing by double digits early in that game. Uh, again, Orlando with some very hot shooting early on. Franz Wagner got going early in that one. They came out of halftime. They cut the game down to, I think, a one possession game before Orlando opened that thing back up. San Antonio 
same kind of thing. I mean, you know, that was more of a back and forth game across, you know, uh, across the board. Then they they push it to overtime. San Antonio actually kind of got themselves back into that game. So it's similar to what you were saying, where you build up that, you know, maybe not a double digit lead, but you build up, maintain a lead. And then they kind of let go of the rope there a little bit against the Spurs, let them back in, gets to overtime. And then the Spurs were just dominant in overtime. The Rockets were gassed. Alper and Shingun had a bunch of turnovers. Looked like he was kind of uh, waning from the usage late in that game because they were riding him uh, so hard in that one pause um anyways um but I, I do think and even against the Warriors they had some you know stretches where the Warriors jumped out ahead and, and they responded well so I do think that this team last year they would wilt at any sign of adversity they would wilt immediately heads hanging low not trying anymore not doing the little things no more hustle you know settling offensively all of it right all the bad stuff that comes with when you know you face a little bit of adversity as one does when you're a tanking team and you have no expectations, no hope, no desire to you know make the playoffs or no no expectations of what you're supposed to be doing in a given season. This team is not that. This team, despite if they go whether they go down 10, 15, 20, the veterans, Fred, Dylan, they're not going to allow it. Ime won't allow it. And he'll pull guys for not giving proper effort. He's done it already. He'll do situational substitutions where if he sees a guy half-assing it on the court, he'll sub him out really quick, yell at him, and throw him back in the game. He does not stand for lack of effort. And, and one thing that has been consistent for this team through these first four games is that they have not lacked for effort whatsoever, which was oftentimes very much in question with last year's Houston Rockets. Well, I'll say one thing that does uh, that I am taking away. The main thing that I am taking away from this conversation, I think Kings fans should as well. Expectations should be high for Sacramento. Expectations should be that they're coming home with a pair of wins, but the Kings cannot afford to take anyone, but especially this Houston Rockets team lightly, whether or not De'Aaron Fox is available, because this seems like a, a sneaky Rockets team that can jump on you if you ever take your foot off the gas. And like I said, we've seen the Kings take their foot off the gas a little bit too many times over the course of this season so far. So hopefully they've learned their lesson a little bit and they can truly establish themselves as that better Western Conference team that they believe them to be. But it sounds like the Rockets are going to put that to the test. It should be a lot of fun, honestly, across these two games. And we appreciate you guys for tuning in for this special Locked On Crossover edition. Do us all a favor. Go follow Matt on Twitter at MattGeorgeSAC. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On Kings. If you're interested on the Rockets angle, the reaction to this game, good or bad, in the aftermath of these upcoming two games, come check me out on Twitter at JT Gatlin. I'll be boots on the ground here in Houston covering the game. And you can also follow and subscribe Locked On Rockets wherever you get your podcasts and and on YouTube. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Drop your predictions for the Rockets-Kings games. I already said that they would go 2-0 against the Kings. Maybe it's a good prediction. Maybe it's a little crazy. Let me know your thoughts in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.